Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. If you've often come to this church, you might notice we normally start with a bit of a welcome and then when we continue with some worship. Actually, we're doing things a little bit differently over these next few weeks. We're starting, starting a new series, which is all about encounter and, and worship. And uh, so if you have a Bible handy, we're going to start with the message. So if you have a Bible app or a, a, an analog Bible, pull that open. We're going to look at Psalm 22 in just a moment. So I'll give you a chance to head there. And uh, we're going to start with our message in this new series because... Um, just, we've got lots of new people. I'll just tell you how, how this works. We don't make this up as we, up as we go along. Uh, a few months ago, we were praying about what this series would be, like we pray about each monthly series. We usually speak in series, so three, four, five weeks about the same subject. Uh, the whole like network teams, all the pastors from the different one churches, we pray together. What do we feel God's saying to our church? And then from that, we look at uh, how do we make a good diet when it comes to what we talk about on Sundays, so that we don't go through the whole year only ever eating whatever the theology equivalent of carbs is. Uh, but we get a good balance around that. So sometimes we talk about some series that are like Wisdom for Life series. Sometimes there'll be theology series or series like this, which is an encounter series. And it's all about how we can disciple one another to encounter God well in what we call on a Sunday, uh, our encounter service. And then, uh, so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how we can encounter God, but really specifically about our worship. Now, worship can mean a no- load of different things, can't it? It can be everything from like lighting candles to singing songs to sitting on our sofa quietly for the last hour, year and a half. Uh, humming behind a mask, it's counted. Uh, we've had communion, communion counts as worship. Uh, it, it, nature, the whole earth is the whole earth, and everything in it is the Lord's. And experiencing the world can be worship. And our life is meant to be an act of worship. So of course, there's all these caveats that are in place when we talk about worship. But because this series is about our, how we encounter God in worship, particularly around our services, we are going to kind of like lean in a little bit on like the singing part of worship and that part of our corporate worship uh, together. And I think like for many of us, like singing is one of the things we didn't realise we'd miss that much. But for lots of us, because we've heard you say this, it probably was. And uh, even like those of you like me that can't sing, turns out we quite enjoy it. And, uh, and there's actually like a, there's a community experience, isn't there? There's a collective experience that takes place when we're in a place like this and we're going to have that experience together in this service. It lifts us, it encourages us and some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. Um, but the question that I'm going to hope to maybe like help answer in the, in the message today is this. Um, I don't know if you've been wondering, but why, does, why is no one writing emo worship songs? Do you know what like emo music is? Like, kind of like, like sad songs. Why don't there like sad songs when it comes to worship music? Like the songs that express like pain and frustration and like suffering. Like, like Chris is going to lead worship. So if he like stands up and goes like, right, go, we're going to start with this really sad song. I think we'd be like, I'm not sure that's what we came for, Chris. Switch it up a bit. Uh, but I mean, but there is times when we want music to communicate. You know, like the, it's, emo music is the music you listened to when you were a teenager and you had a breakup. And you, want, you had to find the right music to play after that. Or when you had a row with your parents... It's that, like what song or what album or playlist you're putting on in that moment, that, that's like, that's emo music. And uh, so I, I remember like when I was about 12, we didn't have a lot of music in our house. It was either Vivaldi, Four Seasons and, and the King's Singers at Christmas. It was about the, the extent of the music that we had in my house growing up. So I was about 12, I had one cassette and the cassette was a Dance 92 compilation album featuring Cotton Eye Joe. 
featuring... In, do you remember in the 90s, everybody had a barn dance for the wedding reception? Every... <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe, Dance 92 compilation album. And that was like, you know, when my next neighbour like, bootlegged it onto a, onto a blank cassette, you know, and people just did that all the time. So I, I had this like cassette version of Dance 92 compilation album with Cotton Eye Joe. And that was it, that was the only music I had. I had this little cassette deck thing that I had in my bedroom and I'd play the Dance 92 album. And sometimes me and my next door neighbour, we'd have it on our Walkmans and we'd try and press play at the same time so that we could both listen to the music at the same time with our Walkmans. That's how cool we were at 12. And then this one Sunday at my church, I um, found that uh, I found a cassette that someone had left behind. I reckon one of the older youth had left it behind on Friday night. And I found this cassette. Uh, and this is the cassette. This is the, the cassette that I found, right? If you can't see, it's the, the cassette is the album Nevermind by the band Nirvana. Now, bear in mind, the only music I ever knew was the Vivaldi Four Seasons, the King Singers at Christmas, and the Dance 92 compilation album. And I got home and brought this cassette home. I took the Dance 92 album out of my cassette deck and I put this cassette in, I press play, and on this album, track one starts like this, tell me if you recognise it. Now I'm 12. I'm 12, I've never heard music like this before in my life. My 12-year-old mind completely and utterly blown. I listened to the whole album, which if you're old enough, remember that had to show great commitment because at the end of track seven, you have to take the cassette out, turn it around and press play again because there's no continuous play. Uh, young people, ask your parents on the way home. I was like, so, like, it, my mind was completely blown by this music. It carried, like, angst and excitement and passion and uh, pain. And I'd never heard anything like it, but now I had two cassettes. Now I could listen to music that reflected my mood. So if I got home in a good mood, I could play Cotton Eye Joe. And if I got... There's a time for every song. And when I got... And if I didn't, if, if I wanted something that was a bit different, I'd put, my, I'd put this cassette on and... And I had this thing, this way that music was able to express how I felt. So what are we supposed to do when we're feeling the kind of pain, angst, frustration side of life and the pain, angst, frustration, sadness side of even our like, discipleship, we're trying to follow Jesus and be a Christian and, and then we turn up on Sunday and what do we do when the songs that we're singing on Sunday don't communicate what's going on in us? Do you know what I'm saying? What are we supposed to do when... They don't say how we feel. That's hard, isn't it? That's all of us. And in a, in a room with this many people, many of us here today, like we've carried something in because we don't leave it at the door. It's, this stuff is real life, so we bring it in. And then what do we do then when the words that were given to us to sing just don't say what we want to say? Now, I think this is getting to something that we all like, recognise and all feel. And uh, we're going to try and answer that, answer that question a little bit today. Like, what, what do we do? And I, I want to say, it hasn't always been that way. So the reason I've got you to go to Psalm t- chapter 22, if you have it handy, let's, uh, let's look at Psalm chapter 22 together. Everybody got it handy? You're going to notice that this psalm is written... This song, like this psalm, there's, there's 150 of these. You find them in the middle of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. And uh, they, they're not written typically like songs that we might expect today. It's certainly not much Cotton Eye Joe. Um, 
The first five verses read like this. Oh, it says at the top, uh, it's to be sung to the tune of uh, for, uh, for the dough in the morning. So if you know the song, sing along. <laughs> I'm joking, nobody knows the song. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. Come on, that's us. So often. By night, but I find no rest. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Can you see how different that is? Can you see that the balance, the, the structure that the, the psalmist, the songwriter p- puts together where f- for him, in, in this case it, it's David, so David out of David and Goliath, David as in King David later on in, script, in the Old Testament. Like, can you see the balance and structure that he's finding? For him, the, the complaint of why have you forsaken me? For him, the complaint of God, I, I've asked you, but you haven't listened. For him, that was all part of it. So he starts with that, but then goes to like, but there you are, God, I've, you've, I've, my ancestors even. So there's a generational uh, trust that people have had in you. That it goes on. I mean, you can read it for yourself later on today. You can see he kind of goes backwards and forwards. There's like a, an embracing of both the pain and the celebration, the, the, the suffering and the hope, the, both the faith and the failure. There's, there's got all of these in together. For him, the pain and suffering didn't remove from his worship. It enriched his worship. Now, I know that's, that's, I know that's really, really hard. I know that, com- that completely. But I wonder, there might be something of a lost art here where instead of the stuff we get frustrated about and the things that lead us to say things like, well, God, where are you? Or why did you let that happen? Instead of that stuff taken away from our worship, there's, there's something that's a a lost art of allowing that to even enrich our worship. It's actually all to do with the image of God that we see and who God is when we worship him. You'll see it go backwards and forwards if you read it. And I think um, maybe the reason that no one's writing emo worship songs anymore is because they're the words that none of us have any problem writing ourselves. We've got no problem writing those words. Maybe we're none of us are songwriters, I'm not. We have no problem writing those words in our heart and in our head of the things that we wish were different and things the way in which we feel like we've been let down. Those words still exist. But is there a way that we can allow our sung worship to help enrich that and include that rather than take it away? Because for many of us, this is what we do. The, the frustrations of trying to live a life following God becomes an obstacle for us actually to worship him. We go like, well, until, until that prayer gets answered, like an outstanding dispute with a car insurance company. Until this gets resolved, you know, me and God are not on speaking terms. I mean, there's got, to be, there's got to be a better way that allows us to feel and experience and be real, but still allow us to bring our worship to God. So I think this, that sung worship elevates God beyond our own definition. I'm going to explain this in a moment. The words that we're going to sing today, here's what it does. It's going to, it, it elevates God beyond the definitions that we make. Right, one of the... One of the oldest commandments in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, says that we shouldn't make God in our own image, or it warns us against making an image of God in any way, shape, or form. Now, obviously, like, poor old Moses, he's up the mountain, 
It describes this encounter that he has with God, receives the law from God, that, like, including these like, top ten commandments, makes his way down the mountain to announce this revelation to the people, and they've only gone and built a jolly great golden calf, haven't they? And he's going like, and number four, don't make an image... Oh, guys, we're, we're, just, we're just getting started. Uh, so, so yes, there's a context to that commandment, which is about uh, statues and icon, icono, iconography that can, that, that can be built. And, and probably... I'll, I'll, I'll make this assumption. Most of us aren't building golden calves. Just give me that a second, just say someone to respond to that message. Okay, most of us aren't. We're not, make, we're not making statues. And, uh, even though, isn't it, the most, isn't it the most natural thing to want to do? To take the concept of this like ever-present, unimaginably huge, divine nature of God... And it's, it's completely human nature to want to make that something that we can understand so that we know what we're worshipping or we know who we're worshipping when we worship. So let, the reason I say this is because we're probably not making God in an image of a golden calf, but we do, we do still make God in our own image when we make definitions of God and we say, this is what God is like. We'll do that in good ways. We'll be like, like, like we're encouraged to do all through scripture. Like, he is my provider. He is my healer. He is my salvation. He is, he is. And, and you, we use this language to say, like, this is who God is to me. And this is good descriptive language. The challenge comes when it goes from being descriptive to being definitive. And if we feel that we have defined God then that language doesn't just describe him and it doesn't just give us an experience of God to help ourselves and others and help us try and put some, uh, some level of understanding in our puny human hearts and spirits to connect with this incredible, immensely big God. It, 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 what it, what the danger is, once it becomes definitions, we're building our own little golden calf or statue. Or, and before we know it, who we are worshipping is not the immensely huge, large, unimaginably big divine God who loves us and created us and it's not that or him it's this so when we feel let down we've got to answer the question is it God that's let me down or is it the image of God I created that's let me down because here we are not worshipping him but because of that I, I, I appreciate I'm getting quite like big and small at the same time with these thoughts and so we can create God in our own image by the definitions that we give him so that doesn't mean we don't use use these words it means that we allow these words to be descriptions not definitions because we can describe God but we'll never ever define God we will never never be able to define God we will never have the language to do that you could go to ancient languages like the one in the scriptures or as many modern languages as we don't understand no language will define truly define God if God is love there is no limit to that love that we could even truly get a concept of we could just hope to, to have some of that and accept some of that and know that there is this incredible loving being who does love us so much who has given everything for us and yet in the vastness of it still knows you and can count every hair on your head yeah, that's true. wonderful descriptions 
that we sing about that help us lift our view of God beyond the silly little images we've made, really, to try and connect with something that's so much bigger than who we are today. That's why we worship, right? I think that's why lots of us come to church. We're hoping in the busyness and in the frustrations of literally everyday life that something will happen today or there's a space where I can explore the expansive, incredibly hugeness, something else-ness that the Bible and following the way of Jesus Christ helps us connect with in a, in a life-filling, releasing, freedom kind of way. Even the kind of way that when we turn up feeling pain, actually we leave feeling a little bit healed. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? And I've, I've, had those, I've needed those experiences often. Two, uh, two years ago, my dad died, and I sat here with my family. I needed the words. I needed somebody else to give me the words to say, because there was no way I was going to say them on my own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we, we tell this story often, but I, we had a miscarriage, and because of this stupid series planning thing that's like three months ahead, I was due that following Sunday to talk about hope. I didn't want to talk about hope. <laughs> But it was the, it's the closest we have to liturgy here, where we're trying to make a, a balance and go, well, no, we're still going to talk about hope on Sunday. But I needed those words to be spoken because I didn't feel those words in me. But I came in pain. I left, of course, still grieving, but I, still ha- I left with a little bit of hope and I left with a little bit of joy. Yeah. Good. So, all of this to try and set ourselves up for some time of sung worship, which you're right, is only a little bit of worship, only a little bit of what worship is. But it's our best way that we can do here of trying to lift our view of God, to elevate God beyond the image we've created and to lift that view to something so much bigger so that we leave with those, we we leave with this elevated view. Does that make sense? Um, so, Ben, you can come up because we're going to lead into, uh, into worship in just, just a minute. I'll just, I'll just remind us what I said earlier, and that was this, that this sung worship elevates God beyond our own definitions. And in a moment, we're, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to uh, take a moment to reflect before the team lead us in some sung worship. And that's a moment for us to go, I'm sorry for the image of you that I've created. I'm sorry for when I, I thought I had, you in, I had you defined. I'm sorry for how I thought I, thought I had this all mastered. And we go like, forgive me for that. And now help this, these words, help my worship be elevated to something that's so much and always, always bigger than that. So we're going to take every definition. We're even going to take every description of God that we have. And we're going to say, but God, I know that you are bigger than that. We're going to take every pain and frustration that we've been carrying And we're not going to say they don't exist. We're not emotional bypassers. But we're going to go, but God, you're bigger than that. You know the best kind of worship still always points to Christ? That's why Psalm 22, like when Psalm 22 starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's why Jesus quotes that when he's on the cross. Hello, he's dying. He's been killed. (laughs) And he goes, but God, you are bigger than that. Every definition every description something bigger so if you would stand with me we're going to pray together we're going to respond and then we're going to engage into a, a practice that for centuries and centuries even millennia people experiencing and exploring God have entered into to help that experiencing and that exploration and that is sung worship
for those of us that have done this for many, many years, let's allow a freshness to come from our spirit today. Allow these words that we've sung before, maybe, to say something new that's right from our hearts. You ready? I'm going to pray for you in a moment, but why don't you take a moment to pray first? I, I always pray it's God's words that speak louder than mine. I'm, I'm just trying to set this up today and help correct some of our thinking and prepare our hearts and our spirits for a little bit of growth in this new season. Just give you a chance to pray and respond. And If you can, just say something like, God, I'm sorry for whatever image of you I've created. You are definitely bigger than that. I'm sorry where I've blamed you when I should have blamed the statue I made in my mind. God, you are bigger than that. You are bigger than that. So Father, we pray that as our best efforts to try to lift some words to you, we know that it will be a sweet sound in your ear this morning. We know that when you hear us sing these words that you know every ounce of pain, you know every ounce of lament that's going on, that's laced with that grief and suffering and everything in between. You also know the joy and the happiness and the the testimony of your goodness in our life. We know that that's in there. The the celebration that we are no longer uh, in pain because you physically healed us. Thank you for those testimonies. The miracle of addiction recovery where we've got through another day. We know that you're with us in those. We celebrate that. That That we're still here after decades and decades and how you saved me over and over and over again and forgiven me over and over and over again and how you've come through for us in ways we would never imagine. We carry all of that and we say these are our best descriptions. And now would you lift our hearts and our eyes and use these words to worship an incredible, powerful, almighty, bigger than that God. take a moment just to pray and recognize we touched on some things in as part of a message that can't just talk about pain and frustration but not give a moment to pray for one another in that as well i want to do that and also uh, as always give you an opportunity to say today's a day i want to make a decision to become a christian a follower of jesus a disciple we're going to uh, pray for you as well in this moment and so just the team of just playing playing behind me I ask you to uh, bow your heads close your eyes uh, pray for pray in your heart for those that are around you right now and uh, if you've been carrying some pain and you knew that as we were talking about that in the message and as we've responded to that in the worship if that's if we can pray for you right now would you raise your hand for me I'm just going to say a prayer I won't single you out but I want to make sure I give you a chance to respond to that and appreciate you doing that and your honesty really do okay I'm going to pray but come on this is a family thing not a uh, stage thing so as people with their hands raised around you, would you, in your heart, would you pray for those people that you know that are around you, please? You don't need to know them by name. You don't even need to know what's going on. And pray for your brothers and sisters around you. Father God, we, you know our hearts. You know, you know the pain. You know the words that we write. Our rights of complaint, our lament. And 
we pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal what needs to be healed that you would hear the words that are spoken we could write the worst words we could think of and you would receive them and say I, I know I'm with you even Christ on the cross is saying why have you forsaken me so thank you Jesus that there is an empathy that comes from you more than anything that we can say or do right now and we pray people's, we know that people's prayers right now are being heard and healing is taking place and we receive that in your name Amen and if you're here and you want to make a decision to become a Christian uh, while people's I'm praying for you still. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you before we do the last part of our service together. We are, we're going to ask this every week. And uh, so let me pray for you. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you as well. Wonderful. Jesus, we always want this to be about you. And point to you and lead people towards you. Lead people away from our own ideas or our own efforts. But... If we can get out of the way enough for people to find you, that is our goal. So we pray for people responding to you today, personally, that today is a new day. A reminder that all is forgiven. A reminder that all are welcome. A reminder that that moment on the cross was a moment for every single person who has lived, who will live and who lives today. And there's a freedom that comes when we accept that. So I pray that people will move from today and live in freedom. In your name. Amen. Amen.